How's it going, Lee? Hello, Gabriel. How are you doing? I am good. How are you? I'm great. You are great. I am as well. Great. <laughs> the returns. We are returning to our old ways of, you know, talking nonsense and recording it and letting people listen to it. Letting people, uh, yeah, chime in. Not really, though, but they can, they can listen in. It's very possible. You know, we don't, we don't know, but let's, let's, we like to think, you know, people are interacting in a productive way. Maybe. Maybe okay. coming up. Yeah, I think, you know, I've actually been really thinking about the uh, idea of, like, live streaming. Um, there's that idea, but then I've been listening to, like, um, Tom Segura was on with Joe Rogan. And then listening to like Ben Shapiro and Dave Rubin and Tim Pool and how they're all talking about like what the future of content creation looks like. And they've sort of already established that in a sense, but I don't know if you're familiar with, um, there's a writing one. There's um, a, a website, I, I don't remember exactly what it's called, but they will essentially pay you if you're you know, a writer, journalist, what have you. And they'll like pay like this upfront wage or um, signing bonus. And then you essentially write your own work and people can subscribe to your like specific um, like page or whatever. And then the, the platform will take a cut of whatever revenue you generate. So then that way they get paid back whatever investment they made in you. Cause obviously it's driving people to their platform. Right. And um you know, obviously, like the big, the big guns, so the big guys are like getting a little worried. Like New York Times and all these other people, or Washington Post, all these other uh, outlets, you know, are worried. And obviously, like apparently, mainstream media or those outlets, right? Those TV outlet, news outlets, are losing their uh, viewers. So they're big scared. Yep. So it's just interesting, you know this this new venue online venue man it's gonna be so much fake news with all this with all this new stuff yeah i mean that's that's the one thing about the internet right anybody can just post up whatever they want it doesn't i mean it seems like it's already happening on regular how do you, cable how, TV. Do you how do you know that's a verifiable source that's true you're right no you're right there is a little bit of concern there. I can see that. Just because just it just because it says you know, Washington Post or L.A. Times or the New York Post, it doesn't matter. Seriously. At this point, right? It doesn't. It's all the same at this point. You're right. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. You don't look into it. I think that's. I mean, obviously, I don't know if you've been hearing about like the whole Project Veritas. Uh, uncovering but it's been really interesting to see all that didn't they have a conversation or a video with uh one of the cnn executive producers or something like that yeah so they had uncovered that um it was all yeah it was all propaganda and they had the guy admitted it that they were using covid as a profit generating um i don't know source and then I saw on Tim Pool actually went through a couple of articles about how the, what was it? Um, 
they were talking about how the Russian um, hit list on the military, like there was a Russian hit list against our military. I don't know if you remember this. And, and Trump had said, it's all fake news. And now they're coming out and saying, actually, yeah, it's very, very possible that's fake news. <laughs> Isn't this uh, coming a week after the New York Times came out with, with something in regards to the, yeah, that, that some other stuff wasn't verified that they had, they yeah, had mentioned? Exactly. Yep. The, the, the Georgia conversation. Um, yeah. Trump with the Georgia, um, what was it, like secretary or something like that? Yeah, so they found they they admitted that they basically doctored and lied and said that our source wasn't even real. Yeah, but don't don't you scrutinize or question anything else that they uh, posted or uncovered? Yeah, after that, yeah. I mean they're they're totally fine. They're totally legit. Don't have to worry about them anymore. Can you imagine just? It just seems uh, like I was mentioning, it just feels like things are crumbling, but, you know, there's only so much we can do. And obviously the, at the local level, it, it feels like there's some good stuff happening, but I don't know. It's hard to say. It's really hard to say. I don't know what your feelings are. If only I uh, subscribe to the idea of there being a all-knowing, all-powerful God-type figure who really doesn't depend on any, you know, government or man-made power institutions, you know, for him to do his, you know, bidding or his will or his, uh, his agenda, his sovereignty. Yeah. <laughs> interaction, his interaction with everyday people. I know. That's just too bad. You know, I just, it's just, that would be very helpful. Just a myth, you know, just, uh, you know, ancient storytelling. Yeah, just it's just a, a, a parable. It's just a archetype. It's a, <laughs> it's like a grim story, you know? <laughs> Isn't that that's so funny that to, to kind of tie everything together? Isn't that funny? Because I think Babylon B has had some head, headlines like that, like, oh, Jesus is getting canceled. Yep. Or, <laughs> It's, it's, I feel like Babylon B is so good. They're on it, right? They're so yeah. high. There was one I saw recently that I was cracking up. I forget something about, oh, conservatives are not getting the vaccine because they found out that it'll get rid of liberals or like the liberals will stay away from them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I did oh. see that. Baby's crying. Oh. Um, it always happens every night. That's okay. Yeah, it's like, it, I feel like, you know, satire and all that is very much needed. I think we mentioned this before, or like we talked about this, like over text or something, just like how, how grim things can look. But if we don't have humor, like, you know, all the guys we talked about, right? Like Joe Rogan and um, Stephen Crowder and what was his name? Um, the British guy that you, you really like now? Uh, my my wife is kind of the one that's um, introduced more of his content for me. Was uh, Russell Brand? Russell Brand, yes. It's oh, um, and then I asked you the other day. I was like, tell me why Theo Vaughn is interviewing a retired border patrol agent. Like, what is happening? All these comedians in their podcasts and like, comedians are the only ones telling us the truth. They're at least trying to. 
but then he makes it like super funny you know obviously throws in his jokes and his like comments and it's like a super serious subject you know just real quick going back to the babylon b is one of my favorite ones in a while but it's a picture of chuck nancy and i don't know who else the guy in the, the third guy in the back there is but it's a headline that says democrats quote Voting needs to be so easy that even the most uninformed idiot can do it. <laughs> Easily. Yeah, pretty much. That sums it up. And then the, the caption is voting for Democrats should be basically automatic as long as you have at least one brain cell. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Basically, yep. That's as true as you can get it. It's, it's funny. Do you do you like have these lined up on like your phone? Um, I have some stuff lined up. Yeah, but I mean, not that one. I, I think I I usually share stuff if I see it, and then you know it comes up in conversation later, or if I think it's funny, I'll share it right away. But <laughs> yes, I do have a lineup of memes. Of funny videos and you're gonna need a like a notepad or something like a a smart tablet. What do they call those tablets? So you yeah. can have like a bigger a bigger screen because <laughs> it's it's hard to read stuff on the phone. You know, and organize no, stuff. No, yeah, but I mean, talking about satire. I mean, that's that's one way to process everything that we have to encounter and hear about, read about, right? Cause if you don't laugh, you, you just end up crying. Mm-hmm. Sooner so, or later. How sad and crazy some things are. Yeah. I think that's the, like the, um, that overwhelming feeling that if you allow yourself to get to that point where it just seems like everything is kind of collapsing on you. Like you mm-hmm. feel that weight of the world. And then you have to like take a step back, right? What you're talking about in terms of like sovereignty of God and, and how like there's only our relationship with the, with his sovereignty and like that's it. I was gonna say, so do you think because I know Peterson and others they draw on that idea, right? Of of bearing the weight of the world or shouldering the weight of the world, right? Mm-hmm. Initially, doesn't that come off as a little a little egotistical? Hmm. What makes you think that you're capable of doing such a task? Yes. Yes. Or is it just that it's your own world that you're having a stomach that you're having to carry? And well, it would. It, doesn't it say that you know, carry your cross? Jesus says to carry your cross. But then he says, take my yoke upon you. My, my yoke is, is light. And yeah. So then, but you can't have one without the other, right? Can you? If you, if you, if you carry your cross and, and then you have your relationship with Jesus, then you're not doing that alone. And you're capable of doing that in relationship. Because you're attached to him. You're yoked yes. to him. Yes. Right? Because you still have to, you still, uh, the yoke is the... Responsibility? 
it's the responsibility. It's the decision to, to do both. It's a decision to have, to have, uh, to have self-response, to have self-responsibility in relationship too. I don't think you can be responsible and you can, I don't think you can be irresponsible and have a relationship with Jesus. Don't mm. you think? But what does it matter, bro? Jesus bared the responsibility of, of all the sin. Right, right. He did. So it is my way of, of excusing me. Absolutely. But also. <laughs> I'm just messing with you. <laughs> no, no, I'm thinking it through. So if, if that's, let's say that's an argument, well, then I would say that. Um, I mean, if you look at his, uh, I think even, um, you know, I go back to what is that do justice, right? But then you also look at um, the Sermon on the Mount where he talks about how we are to treat one another, how we are to act in the world, right? So there's that agency to, to do, to act in the world. You have to, you have to be able to operate from an ought to it is where you, you are taking on that um, Christ-like stature, right? Because we can't just listen, obey, and, and not go out and act in the world, right? So even, even in, the, in, the, in the case that Jesus did take on the sin of the world, I, I think we can look at that as a way in which we are to live in the world also, if we are to be in relationship with, with that truth. Right? Does that make any sense? Uh, it, it's gonna, yeah, it's gonna depend a lot upon which school of thought you're talking to too, as far as Christianity is concerned. In what way? So, for example, are you talking to a progressive church? Are you talking mm -hmm. to more traditional church? Right. Protestant church? Are you talking more in regards to Catholicism or um, Eastern Orthodoxy, type of Orthodoxy with Greek or Turkish or Russian, um, where their emphasis is more like what you're saying is on personal responsibility, not that they're denying miracles or that they're denying the sovereignty of God, but at the same time, like, like you're saying, you also play a role in this too, where you're, you're, you have to bear these burdens and bear this reality. You know, there's certain realities that we just can't escape from. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it would be hard not to think or to, to have that as a frame of reference. Right. I think it would be, I mean, that's when nihilism would set in is if we don't operate under that. Because then what happens, we, we get, like I was mentioning, right, we begin to kind of get overwhelmed by all the tragedy, all the whatever we deem as like wrongdoings or, you know, decisions that we don't agree with that can get overwhelming. Things get dark quickly. Mm -hmm. Real quick. Yeah. And it's important to, to be in relationship with the light, right? To, to have that as our, as our guiding so, light. 
Yeah. So as a as a philosophy major, as somebody who's read somebody like Solzhenitsyn, Solzhenitsyn and others, what? Because I mean, we always ask, right? What's the meaning of life, right? A lot of people kind of gravitate towards. So for from your perspective and from what you've learned, what is the meaning of having darkness in our lives and exploring darkness and or like Peterson puts it like disorder, chaos. Like how is how is that to be beneficial in our lives in 2021? Because mm. we're getting a lot of it. We've been getting a lot of it since 20 what 2020, I guess. Getting to 2020. Yeah. It does feel that way, right? For the last like year and a half. Well, I mean, if there's any, if there's anything to be learned, lessons learned from from everything is that, and like in terms of silver linings or the the good that could come out of all this is, I feel like there's a lot of agreement on or beginning to be agreement on like where are some of the major issues because I think that's one thing I've noticed is I've really have opened myself up to to thinking about things differently I mean that's me personally but I think in a way it, it it makes us uncomfortable and it puts us in a position where we need to think I don't want to say deeply, but think things through to know our values and our, you know, what are, what are our principles? What, what do we believe in? Because when things do get this way or when things are looking bleak, we need to know what's going to keep us um, grounded. Because, I mean, if you look at, what is it? Um, gosh, I can't remember now. The, um, there was two books. Well, obviously the Gulag Archipelago, but there's the other one about Germany and the, the concentration camps. And I forget the guy's name. He's a psychologist as well. And they both talk about how there's a, a need to have hope and a faith in, in the better tomorrow. Otherwise, you'll wither away quite rapidly. So in a sense, like you're fortifying your faith in in a in, in that higher power in God and and it's it's a it's a, a way to develop character. I would say in short. Okay. Yeah, because I I guess from my like from what I'm seeing or what I'm getting gathering is I think it it can accelerate growth. Mm-hmm. Darkness darkness trouble burdens heaviness death from what i've seen what i've learned is it's definitely accelerating growth yeah i mean with the um after jesus gets baptized right he goes out to the wilderness and he fasts for 40 days and 40 nights and is and is tempted by satan right as a way of, you could say, fortifying his faith in the Father through these these trials and tribulations, is is building up the the strength, the courage, the fortitude, and the the strength to do what 
was needed for him to do after all that, right? And and dealing with the the Jewish people and the and the Sadducees and you know the Pharisees and all and all those that were against him. I mean, it's a preparation for what is to come. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a good way of thinking about it. I'm sure people have said this before. Yeah, I mean, I mean, what? I guess too, it kind of shows your starting point is going to determine how fast you grow too, in a sense, because right, isn't that kind of like the ongoing like tragedy? Is that a lot of these these proponents of communism that are college students laugh in the face of people that have moved from communist countries, socialist countries into the US and they're sharing their life experiences growing up as a kid, seeing what they saw, you know, how it affected their parents and their mm-hmm. mentality. And they're just not, they're not being appreciated. They're not even being, there's no thought of consideration for these people. Yeah. It's sort of like when we're introduced to different ideas and we reject them because we have no way of grappling with them. You know how people say like, I don't know, something happens to you, you get mugged or I don't know, abused, right? Let's say you get abused and, and someone's trying to be helpful, but I don't know if you ever had this, I've heard people say this, but like, They'll say, like, you'll never understand if you haven't gone into yourself. Yeah. So and I think in that way, you can say that someone that's coming from these countries that have experienced these ideologies could say the same to us. Like, you'll never understand. Mm-hmm. Because you have to go through it yourself to know, unfortunately. In some sense, right? I mean, if we can just learn from reading history, I think that would be one way of experiencing it, but people don't want to do that. What do you call it? So somebody like Viktor Frankl, right? I think that's who you were mentioning earlier. Viktor Frankl, that's who it was, yeah. So, yeah, I had to look him up. So somebody like him, somebody like Anne Frank, You think it's because, again, and then this is something I, idea that I maybe mentioned to you, but it's an idea I've been playing with as of late in regards to someone, someone having authority. Mm-hmm. Where, you know, some people have their experiences, some people have wisdom, some people have perspective and insight, but then I don't think everybody has authority to speak on certain matters. Right. That's a good way of putting about it. So, I mean, I know that's open to interpretation. People can apply authority in every which way possible, you know, but at the same time, it's like, I think authority in in this case, it's, it becomes personal who you grant authority, you know, 
who who yeah. is it that you're gonna hear out like you're saying like if I'm married to uh, to my ideas about investing finances what have you money and and I meet someone like Warren Buffett and I think to myself you know what this old guy I'm just gonna take his word with a grain of salt what is he talking about he's talking about these old these old timer stocks that I've never even heard of so why even bother paying attention to this guy? Why am I going to give him the light of day, the time of day to, to actually hear him out? What does he know? What does he, yeah. What has he seen or done or know? You know what I'm saying though? Like if I have no idea who Warren Buffett is. Right. I see him, you know, eating at a Dairy Queen. You know, because he owns Dairy Queen. But if I just see I some old one. man and like, you know, he's trying to shoot the breeze with me and he's having a conversation about, you know, investing and what have you. And I'm like, what is the old guy talking about? Yeah. It's, it's so funny how quickly we are to dismiss, like you were saying earlier, like ancient knowledge or, you know, ancient wisdom. I don't know. It's weird. Why would we do that? It would seem very helpful, right? Pride comes before the fall. Pride comes before the fall. Haughty spirit. So, in the age, well, it, make, it kind of makes sense, Gabe. Think about it. I mean, everyone's walking around with a computer mm. in their pockets, and they can easily access uh, fake news. <laughs> unverified sources yeah and you know just hey how hot was it this time of year last year Mm -hmm. i don't know you know before people had uh almanacs and they had you know different sources right but now it's like it's gonna punch it in and you know and this app will let me know Hmm. yeah it's it's like uh we are lazy we're very, how do you call it? We're very intellectually lazy, are we not? Yeah, I think that's a good way of putting it. Very intellectually lazy. I think because, right, when everything becomes easy, convenient, then what's the point of even trying? What's, the, what's that old stereotype? The, the book is always better than the movie? Mm-hmm. But we'll go see- watch the movie. But nobody, nobody reads the book anymore. Now it's just, let me just watch this movie. But even now with like long form podcasts and, you know, multi-season shows, like it seems like as long as the content is interesting, you can keep someone entertained. So what's the difference with a book? Okay, there you go. So, so. You hit on something. Not only do I want to learn or do I need to learn, but I must be entertained while I'm, while I'm at it. I mean, I'm guilty of the same thing myself. I'm I'm not going to be like, no, I'm not like that at all, but I can be guilty of the same thing. Right. It's like, no, this is, this sounds like a chore. I'm not going to do that. Like, well, there's read the whole Bible in a year. Nah. I know I was, I was I totally dropped that I mean I just listened to it now but 
<laughs> I'm not actually reading it. Hey, it's better than nothing. <laughs> I know, but it still makes me feel guilty. Is that is that what it is? People just don't want to feel bad. And so I'm going to avoid this form of feeling bad, even though it's not that bad, even though having negative emotions, like, I, like I'm just talking about darkness, about chaos, about disorder, that can propel us into greater things. Right. Do you and think it's, it's a matter that. of like, you know what? I, I want to feel like accomplished, even though it's just a participation trophy. I don't want to feel left out. Yeah, I think it's 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 um, this whole notion of like being things being fair and equal, or rather, equity is the term that's used, right? People want things to be fair and and nice, and you know everyone gets along, and no one's better than anyone else, and let's just all be on the same level, like no one. Okay, so why can't we be honest about that? Because it goes back to feeling bad. We don't want to feel bad, so we mask that truth so that we we can all agree to this so that no one is guilty. But, okay, so, but... We want to avoid guilt. So we well, all agree to that, it. To me, it just sounds like you want to avoid the truth. Right. Reality. Exactly, because when we when we know the truth, we know we are guilty. Because it's it's not it's not messed up to say, right? LeBron James is a better basketball player than me. Right. Why should that hurt my feelings? Why does why does why do my feelings matter in this scenario in, in this part of the conversation? That's the question. Why does it matter? What what? what how is this any like how does this hurt you in any way right how does this make me feel bad yeah i mean you obviously are not lebron none of us are lebron lebron is lebron lebron's not even michael jordan he's not even michael jordan or kobe (laughs) or kobe or magic (laughs) larry bird larry bird you know he's none of these guys He's, he's lebron james and i think i think people misinterpret you know, the success of someone as like the person themselves, like kind of like going back into the conversation we've been having about the law and the spirit of the law, right? So you can look at someone like Le- LeBron or Jordan or um, Kobe and say they are, them as the person is the, is the law, but their success and their talents and their drive is the spirit it's the spirit that we enjoy about these athletes or writers or actors. It's the spirit of what, of what they're embodying in their actions. They're providing um, value, meaning, mm-hmm. quality, mm-hmm. right? These different aspects that, I mean, like they say, right? Art or beauty is in the art. Beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Exactly. So, I mean, I guess that, that's what I'm, I guess what I'm trying to get at is that everyone has to apply their own meaning to everything. 
Mm-hmm. And and have the frame, I guess the framework, right, is how do we all, how can we all participate in the larger picture, in the bigger picture with each other where we're not stepping on everyone's toes for any little, for every little thing or for, you know, things that might not seem important or, or things that are insignificant. Yeah, I like, I like how, I don't know, I think Jordan or whoever, you know, would say that we are, not only are we competing with one another, but we're also cooperating with one another. Mm-hmm. And so how do we, how are we to do so in a symbiotic and cohesive and reasonable way, right? Because we are obviously competing, but we all must cooperate as well, because if we don't, well, then the competition of, of life begins to, the, the ground begins to shift because there are rules, there are boundaries in the competition and we all abide by and, and we are able to do so. We're able to cooperate because of these boundaries and rules. And once someone steps out of those boundaries, well, now we're not cooperating we're infringing on and um, infringing and something else, but yeah. Okay, and in that frame of mind, doesn't it sound so seemingly easy in terms of love your neighbor as yourself? It should, Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. If that's the framework that we're all dealing with, get along to cooperate to interact i don't know it just seems it it almost seems too simple just too idealistic sometimes the most uh simple things are what is it you know the same sometimes the simple things are the are the, the hardest to understand something like that you know, we, we like to complicate, I mean, I love it too, but we love to complicate things. I forget how they say it. Sometimes the easy or the easy, the, the simple. Things are the easiest things to overlook? I'm thinking we're like, sometimes the simple answers. Aren't always the, the only, most obvious? It's like the only answer, something like that. Uh, yeah. Sometimes I got to look this up. So what's the yeah okay I'll I'll let you I'll let you look it up. But you can go ahead. No, just that uh, it sounds it almost sounds too good to be true. It does, doesn't it? Okay. I think I think that's what's hard about it is that it is it is kind of idealistic in that way. Well, who said that? Hmm? Who's saying that uh, that it, love your neighbor as yourself and do unto others? I don't know. I feel like someone important. <laughs> Sometimes the questions are complicated and the answers are simple. Doctor Seuss. You can't talk about Doctor Seuss. <gasps> Where were you? They already got rid of him. Cancelled. <laughs> 
I think that's the, the way of saying, yeah, sometimes the questions are complicated and the answers are simple. So I think that's the way. We can't is. take his ideas into consideration because he's been canceled, sir. Uh, that's where we're razor. at. Are you familiar with Occam's razor? No. Ooh, so Occam's razor is, um, it says, uh, or the principle of parsimony or law of parsimony is the problem solving principle that entities should not be multiplied without necessity or simply the simplest explanation is usually the right one. The idea is attributed to English Francion Frar, Fear, William of Ockham, a scholastic philosopher and theologian. He used a reference, a preference for simplicity to defend the idea of divine miracles. This philosophical razor advocates that when presented with competing hypotheses about the same prediction, one should select the solution with fewest assumptions and that this is not meant to be a way of choosing between hypotheses that make different predictions. Did you understand that? A little bit. I just need the footnotes. Footnotes. Let's see. No, I get. Go ahead. I, I get. I get where you're. Where you're going? I think. Yeah, it's it's obviously right, philosophical, theological, but it's kind of like if if you can, I mean, sometimes people would say like, "Oh, you're, are you um, are you what is it reducing something? How do you say that? Gosh, I can't think of these words." When they, are you interjecting when, or are you... Like when you boil it down to simple terms, when it's yeah. like a very complex issue, reductionist. Yeah. It could be reductionist in a sense, right? But my point in all this is that maybe ideal, idealistic um, thinking is, is okay as long as it produces the outcome, right? We shall know them by their fruit. So if we see good fruit, then we know that the idealistic way of thinking should, should be fine, I would say. Yeah, because, well, if we're giving people the benefit of the doubt, we're understanding that it's possible that they could tap into wisdom and knowledge and truth mm -hmm. one moment and you know in the next moment they're not tapping into that same thing because we're we we can do the same thing as as, as christians as followers of christ we we can do that all day right you know interject and and well i read the scripture and this is what i think it means and not verify it or compare it to anything else within scripture it doesn't align with anything else in scripture you take that one verse or that one chapter and you're applying it to, to you're misinterpreting it and you're applying it into things that out of context, they don't make sense. You, you mentioned earlier the authority to, to be able to speak on something. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if we answered this question yet, but give someone the authority to be able to speak on a certain topic, such as the Bible. That's, uh, I don't know. I don't know the answer, to be honest. Say that again? I know I'm not. Say the beginning part? 
So, you know, when we talk about authority to speak on something, right? What would give someone the authority to speak on by on on the ideas in the Bible, the stories and the the history and the interpretation interpretations, right? I mean, that's that's it's. And I don't think I ever am going to be someone who who I try, but I don't feel like adequate, you know. Yeah. I would say this. It's not about the messenger. It's about the message. The Bible doesn't need anybody to to verify it or to confirm it or to give it a stamp of approval. You can do that if from a historical standpoint, from an archaeological standpoint, you know. There are, there are ways people have tapped into these ideas where it's like, were Matthew and John really eyewitnesses to what they, to the accounts that they saw? Hmm. Was, was Mark and Luke, you know, were they really the close acquaintances, close, close, close associates of apostles and disciples? Was that really what happened? And if you don't look into it yourself, then you'll never know. You'll never understand the the context of how these how these stories were told, how they were written, how how close to the source they were when compared to other accounts in in secular history. Cool. You know, that's something that if anyone's interested, that's something that Lee Strobel wrote about in the case for Christ. The reason I say that is because I saw a video disputing the other day. I saw a video disputing um, different accounts of scripture. Mm-hmm. And that was one of them. It was, they were discounting the ideas that the gospels were not written by eyewitnesses. And if they were, they were written, you know, there were so many years removed from the actual accounts or from the actual events when that is not true. You know, when you compare, again, when you compare other historical figures or events, you know, so for example, one of the, one of the things he uses to compare, to compare scripture with, with uh, storytelling or, or history was the idea of Homer. Hmm. So Homer's Odyssey, I might get this wrong, but it was more or less 500 years after the fact that Homer told a story and then 500 years later, somebody wrote it down. Wow. I didn't know this. So again, this is just one example, but when you're talking about the, the disciples when you're talking about the gospel accounts, you're looking at a gap from maybe 20 to 40, 50 years, maybe, you know, for, for people that weren't there actually there, maybe you're just more like 70, 80 years, but Again, like <laughs> you're comparing it to other other works, other written written works, it's it's never you, you never you take it for granted for other you know other other liter, literary or historical accounts. We just take it for granted and like, yeah, that's exactly how the this person put this together. Yeah, it does seem like um I like this angle. Here we go. It does seem like uh like if we think about memory, right? Memory is so, so um, 
what is it like it's it's escaping you know it's 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 never accurate enough for us to truly represent the past you know and i feel like a lot of times we learn about history and it's always many times it's like misrepresented you know so if 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 we're saying that the stories in the bible are are to be true well they must be accurate right and they must be told with great detail and very um very well organized and with a lot of care for it to have its its um value essentially yeah for people to take it seriously especially but there's there's always you know one good foot footnote or one noteworthy aspect right of a historical event that's worth mentioning you know that we're going to hit home on and we're not understanding like there's a lot more to this that went on that happened there's more than one perspective was it what's the common uh phrase or term for the victors are the ones that write history yeah yeah so i mean there's a lot of truth to that yeah, it does seem like um, I, I haven't really thought about it, but it does seem very much like um, like how much of, especially like the the, the army of the gospels, right? Um, it's Luke, John, and Matthew, right? Matthew, Three. Mark, Luke, and John. Oh, sorry, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Mm-hmm. So you have four accounts that are describing the events, the life of Jesus, essentially. And you have details and details upon details and events, and you have four eyewitnesses writing about these events and, and kind of, in a sense, adding their flavor, right, in their style. And, and it's hard to find that in, embedded in a book and in, in, in the entire Bible, right? Rather, I should say that is rare, right, because they're all embedded in the same book, the Bible, Whereas, like, yeah. if we read about, let's say, um, what's his name from England, uh, World War Two. From England? Yeah, the Prime Minister from England and Winston Churchill. Yes. So if we look at someone like him, you can. And I remember uh, Glenn Beck was saying this that he was a monster to the people of India, whereas the people in the Western world. Uh, uh, endeared when he was um, veneered or uh, praised right so you have different um, sides to this person but there's like details that are missing and it's not cohesive because you have different books written about these people and you see this all the time right you have different autobiography or autobiographies and historical um context right depending on how you want to look at it you can write about them differently whereas with the the life and story of jesus it's not the case you know exactly there's no different angle there's no questions about who he was i think that makes sense there's no hidden agenda yeah yeah it's all out in the open yeah like like you mentioned uh churchill right it's interesting that we care so much about the British and the and the American perspective of Churchill. Like you said, the 
the Indian perspective is way different as would the German or the French or the Italian perspective, maybe even the Russian Mm -hmm. perspective on, on what kind of a leader he was and how people in that time, in that era, I'm not talking about like diplomats and politicians, but I'm just talking about like everyday people that were alive that were around in, in World War II, what their perception of somebody like Churchill would have been like. Right. Yeah, because like you were saying, right, the victors are the ones who write the story. So those who were in those victors' paths, like they're not going to be so kind to them in their storytelling. Right. And and those who are approving of the figure, right, they're going to be a lot more generous. Yes, yes. They're gonna they're gonna speak more highly and kindly to to highlight their you know their positive attributes. Whereas I think yeah, if you if you parallel it with the Bible, it's like, well, especially right, Jesus was operating under submission to the Father, so there's that. But it's just it's interesting that you bring that you Oh, I hadn't thought about it in this way. So it's just interesting to think it through. Um, because it seems like history is so misrepresented. And it's so easy to do that, especially because we don't want to look. You know, because I think a lot of times we see what, right, the darkness, the the tragedies, and the, because that's all it is. Really. Bro, history's boring. <laughs> What am I supposed to learn from history? I, I think I think a lot of times in high school we did find it boring. I wonder why. Like, well, probably because the teachers were boring, right? Um, actually, I had one of my favorite high school teachers was a history teacher. How, how, what made him interesting or her interesting? Mr. Jantz, he was a retired attorney. What? Yes, sir. So, like, how would he teach it to the point where you were fascinated? He got tired of the lawyer life, the court life, the having to defend people that he didn't see as virtuous or beneficial to society and wanted to do a lot more with his talents. And he ended up uh, teaching, or I believe, originally at the junior high level and the high school level. I was actually, um, yeah, I believe it was sophomore year. Yeah, anyways, it was very interesting because he he was able to give a context, the, the legal context of what he was talking about mm-hmm. in, in some of these accounts, World War One, what have you, and he would he would explain to the class why. So and so, why it took what happened this way, or, or you know, at the time, the historical account, why it might have looked this way in in you know nineteen nineteen hundreds, early nineteen hundreds of the U.S. and how if so and so attacked this person, he's explaining the differences between assault and battery. Oh, something like you know, again, it's more. There's more flavor to the story. There's more context to the story of, of why is this illegal or why what would happen in this scenario? And from that standpoint, yeah, I, I, I found it to be very fascinating. He, he ended up becoming, he worked his way up all the way to a superintendent up North. Oh, nice. 
Yeah. Yeah, it does. I think as as you're mentioning, like his his angle, right? The the, the legality of everything. I was thinking of how, like, I when I think of history, I think of like dates and the location of events, and I think that's what makes history boring. Like it, this happened in the summer of nineteen at the blah blah blah. You know, like you think of history in that way rather than the, the flavor of of the time, the context, the the legality of it, the I don't know, the the psychology of it. Cultural, the language. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I mean even, even if you look at geography, right? I mean, what was the landscape? Was it hills, rivers, you know? It's interesting. I mean a hundred years from now, what are they gonna think of us? Stupid Californians, why were they watering their lawns? Why were they washing their cars? There's no water there. Exactly. <laughs> and now we have to uh, drink our own pee. Everything's filtered, you know. Mm-hmm. Recycled and... We just, yeah. we just don't know the way we judge history sometimes, right? We just think like, I'm going to apply the same moral standards today as they, as you know... Because what's what's acceptable today should have been acceptable then. And that's I mean, granted, a, you get you get into morality, right? When morality comes into into play, obviously. Yeah, and that's get, that's the additional layer, right? We look yeah, at from right. our perspective, our time. Yeah. Right, because it's like, well, how the how did uh, Abraham and and Jacob? How did they have all these wives? And what were they thinking? Crazy guys, you know? Yeah. Yes. And, and uh, yeah, that's, it's with the, um, I always think about how there's the, the multitude of gods, right? With their um, idols and, and how that was so commonplace and, and why it was, it was part of the Ten Commandments for God to say that um, you shall not have no other gods bef- before me or <laughs> No other gods before me. How do you see? How do you explain that? How do you even describe that in 2021? Exactly. What do you how mean? Do if, you? How How would you talk to your your colleagues about? Uh, you know what? I was I was suffering because I had these idols in my life, and the Lord uh, rescued me, and He He helped me. You know, understand better, and I repented from that sin. <laughs> I mean, they're using so many terms that they're like, "Wait, what?" Slow down, slow down. <laughs> and that's, I think that's a big problem too, right? Is the, the language around these stories and what's it called? Christianese? Like, yeah. I think that's another barrier or, or hurdle. hurdle that we have to deal with. I, I mean, I, I've experienced this myself with like, what does that even mean? Or, or what does that have to do with anything? Or what, what how how does the language of the Bible right when you talk about because it, it's um, Greek and um, Greek Aramaic Aramaic Hebrew. yeah so you have all these original languages right and then you have the interpretations and translations and you just you know I, I didn't even realize the Catholic Bible had additional books I think and in between the new and the old and then you have the Torah and you have the the um, What's the other one? Talmud. The Talmud. So you have different books and it's like 
how do we even agree to things, you know? How am I supposed to play Christian and I haven't read all these things? I don't understand what this means. You're like, I, I picked this character, but the the preface is so long that I can't even play the game. Right. I'm, I'm at the table of contents right now. Barely. Can you believe it? It's kind of, it's kind of how it feels sometimes, you know? Yeah. You need you need the references, you need the definitions, you need the the historical context and to even begin. Well, I think so in, I think it's in that, right? Understanding it's in comprehension that we're able to draw more meaning out of things, mm-hmm. out of life. It's perspective. Yeah. So if you don't have any perspective, if you don't you know, if you're married to your ideas and you're not willing to play with them or play with other ideas, then right, you'd just be you'd be falling you'd be falling into into a, a stagnation, right? You'd be falling into just just almost emptiness of, of just the merry-go-round of ideas, and that's it. Yeah, I was I was, I was having a conversation with my coworker, and and she was mentioning that. You know, she didn't have high opinions about someone and and yet through these conversations that she was having with this person that she began to understand them more mm. and, and discover who who they are, right? More clearly and and the depth that that brings, right? So I think about that in the same way with the Bible and, and the way we have a conversation with the Bible, right? We're in dialogue with the Holy Spirit and we're we know that the word is alive and that we're, we're to wrestle with that via conversation and the idea like the iron sharpens iron, right? Like what we're doing now and what we do with when we're talking with other people. And the only way to truly understand one another is to have a conversation, mm. you know, to be, to, to do so, right? What is it operate in truth with love to speak to another in that way? Speak with truth. Yeah. Truth and love. And, and that will lead to mutual edification in a way that allows both parties, whether that's you and the Bible and the Holy Spirit or you and a person that's sitting across from you. Because it's so interesting, right? Like when you have a conversation, you you are doing two things at once. You're sharing ideas and views and whatnot, but you're also bringing forth the person the spirit of the person. Yeah, and that that would weigh on the on like you're saying on how how truth is being incorporated. Mm-hmm. If you're operating in truth, the truth is the basis for, for what you're speaking, when you're speaking. Truth is at the core, the core of the of the message. Yeah. And, and, and see that's well that's why that's why something like Twitter is a disaster. Mm. <laughs> it's it's part of our downfall for sure. <laughs> Let me share these uh opinions without any consequences unless you know I I get the mob on the wrong side, you know, against me and they're gonna cancel me. We, would you say it's it's better that we use the written word to document 
and the spoken word to hash out ideas. Yeah, that, that, that makes sense. I would say so. Because it seems like, um, you know, obviously we, we, we were speaking in stories for a lot longer than we were writing them down. And now, okay, so talking about stories, and now everything's visual. Mm, that's another element, yep. We've gone from relying completely on our imagination. Right, because for example, there was a point in time where something like the Lord of the Rings, mm. those stories, they couldn't film those stories with, with, with live action, with real people. It was, it was impossible. Yeah. The technology was not there in, in the film industry, movie industry. I mean, they made cartoons. That's the only way it was possible and through animation. But it wasn't until, you know, CGI took into full effect. You know, shout out Lucas, Lucas, uh, Lucas Films, Lucas Films and THX and, you know, these companies that were pioneers. And then Jurassic Park came along in the 90s, and then that totally blew people people away. And, you know, you got to see... Avatar, and yeah. yeah. You have all these big milestones when it comes to visuals. Yeah. Yeah, and then now it's... Look where we're at now. Now we're stuck with deepfake. We don't know if the internet's real. They made They made a fake video about me. They put my face on another face that wasn't my face. It wasn't even my voice. Actually, did you hear about that? That they're they're saying you can't use his likeness or his voice in YouTube videos? I didn't hear anything about that. It sounds illegal. I never signed anything. I never said anything like that. <laughs> You're wrong. Um, yeah, it's, it's that's a whole bag of worms there, so I mean, it goes hand in hand, right? It really highlights the fact that we're so reliant on, I don't know, we're so reliant on, on information in a, in a very audio-visual way, you know? It needs to be very quick and easy to access, and I don't want to put any, any more thought into it. I want to be told what to think already. Mm -hmm. So I can share this with my mom on Facebook. Yeah, but also, that's probably why YouTube is so big and popular because you can put up those videos you know and it's like you can watch people talk which is very different than listening people to hear you know i'm just saying youtube is very popular in that way because you're it, you're able to be in their world you know in in that moment with them which is why i really really enjoy watching um YouTubers who are photographers and, and who make mm -hmm. videos because the images and all the different things they're able to do and the transitions and the music, it's like so just pleasing, you know? And I get to hear the, 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 the process of, of how that's created and see it myself, you know? And to me, I find that really enjoyable. But again, I mean, that's, that's our, 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 that's the new reality we're living in you know you talk about like virtual reality or augmented reality and just the possibilities with all that it's 
don't get all Joe Rogan about me about augmented reality and and what's have you, real. Have you tried a DMT? Oh no. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, Joe. Have you tried DMT, Rogan? That's where that's where their uh, Joey Diaz comes in, right? He's like, "What are you talking about, Joe Rogan?" <laughs> he always ever... pronounces his full name when he like to emphasize an idea or a point. Yep, I'm trying to tell you, Joe Rogan. Yeah, <laughs> Uncle Joey. <laughs> okay, have you have you listened to the Tom Segura episode yet? No. Forget what minute that way you can skip to, towards it, but oh, it's so good when they talk about Joe, um, um, Joey Diaz, about his panic attacks. It's it's really worth it. I think Joey Diaz might be the craziest person like I've ever heard of. Really, no joke. Like, like now that now that he's gone through so many things in life, where it's like, oh, this guy's actually a functional adult now, functioning adult now. It, it, from where he came from. It shows you that there is hope. <laughs> I mean, if that doesn't show you there's hope, I don't know what will. I mean, we're, for those people that are not aware, we're talking about a comedian who was literally like in the Tyson zone and that Charlie Sheen, Mike mm-hmm. Tyson, like zone of just chaos and disorder and oh, craziness. Okay. It's it's something to listen to that's for sure I, I i honestly cannot put myself in his shoes it just gives me anxiety just hearing his stories yeah it's too much <laughs> I, I honestly do believe how we, we were talking over text that if they were to animate him his his life stories like it would be so popular the netflix series it would it's have a to miniseries. be. Yeah, it would have to be. There's no way you can do it otherwise. I mean, a movie wouldn't justify it, or like a docu series, and that's it. Oh my gosh! If they do it, I will. I will definitely watch it religiously because I missed all the, all the, um, you know, the big time one, Simpsons and Family Guy. Like I, you know, Futurama and South Park. There's so many, so many good ones. It's like I didn't get to appreciate them growing up, but this I would love to watch. Yeah, there's. We're, I think we're we're oversaturated, right, with content and shows and stories. Yeah, look at us; we're trying to get in somewhere, slither our way into the to the fray, you know. Wait, wait, wait! Did you say did you say slither like slithering? Like slithering. I didn't, even, I didn't even think of that. I don't even know what house we would be a part of. I would be probably... Ravenclaw? See, how do I know? Dude, how'd you do that? <laughs> I don't know. That was really cool. We should have a, a this platform where we, con- we, we, we have conversations and we record it and then we put it somewhere for people to listen to. Yeah, I think people like our conversations. They might. I don't know. We should try that one day. That'd be cool. If only, if only our technology could catch up to our. You know, you know what came to mind when I after I just said that. What? It was Malice saying very failed podcast? <laughs> yes. That's gonna we... be great. Him and Peterson together. 
I know he was talking about how he he dropped the ball with Peterson. Well, he they were having a conversation, and and I guess Peterson asked him, "What do you think should be done with university professors?" And that malice. But you know Malice, how he's crazy. Savage, yeah. He he inferred that, yeah, you would be lined up and shot Oof. like the other professors. Yep. Which is true. But I don't know why Peterson would be offended or not have taken that well. Because he's not really a professor anymore. No. So, yeah, he, he, Malice is not very fond of university professors. No, I, I would. I highly doubt that he has a right, like a good place for them in his in his mind. Anyways, I know we're off tangent a little bit, but just a little bit. We're okay. <laughs> we're getting rusty. I know, right? It's hard. It's a skill. It's hard. You know, I, th- I think people. It's like um, like anything, right? When you do a speech, or if you're doing stand-up comedy, or whatever, you know, to talk for any length of time more than 15 minutes i mean you got to know your stuff yeah it's, it's definitely um a skill a talent but i do think it's something that can be developed and honed in and like you said iron sharpens iron so you know bouncing oh. off these ideas with somebody else who's as open-minded or maybe perhaps a like-minded thinker then yeah, you're gonna you're gonna have a lot of fun, like how you and I have fun together. And yeah, these ideas off each other. It gets it gets silly, but you know what? Maybe maybe that's okay. You know, it's funny because you're you're mentioning like like-minded individuals, and I'm like, huh, I wonder what it'd be like to talk to somebody who who would be different. Uh, you know, would would differ in, in their views, and and how would that how would that look like? I would love to know. I mean, I would love to experience that and then have it be part of this, you know? Yeah, I, I think all, the only component that really would matter is open-mindedness, creativity, yeah. Yeah. you know, somebody that's civil, um, reasonable. respectful, yeah. reasonable. Mm-hmm. That's really all it all it matters. I mean, it could come from any school of thought or um, system systems of belief. Yep. You know? Yeah. Those are all good ingredients for a productive conversation. Yeah, and somebody who's willing to do it, too. Right. Yeah. They would have to be wanting to you don't want to put that out pull, there. You don't want to pull teeth when you're trying to have a conversation that explores different ideas like Joey Diaz beating up a nun when he was in fifth grade and then starting to talk about the cross and mm-hmm. yeah, no, it's, it, it can get pretty complicated. It's so funny. Well, I don't know if it's funny, but it's, it's, it's interesting to, to hear how, how people are fearful of having conversations. I mean, of course, right. Having conversations being broadcasted out. So there's, you know, it's, I mean, I think we've experienced that with some people where they're like, oh, I wasn't really sure what those are going to be like and, you know, what to say or how to act. And it's, and I think for us, like a lot of that in the beginning was really hard to, to, 
to work through, obviously, right? It's not just talking, it's knowing that potentially someone's going to listen to it. I, I will say this, and, and you know exactly what I'm talking about, where I'm coming from, but I wholeheartedly agree with Joe Rogan and with him saying, I encourage as many people as mm -hmm. possible that I know that have something interesting to say to share their thoughts, share their stories, start their own podcast, you know, yeah. with them or a friend and see where it goes. But like, it's really true about the podcast community is pretty, pretty solid, you know, as far as relationships go, friendships go, what have you. And there's a lot of, uh, we were talking about earlier, right? Cooperation. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of that that I can see. I mean, with our, with our interaction, right? With our history with somebody like uh, Prado. Yeah. You know, it, it's, it's totally worth it to, to build these networks, right? This, these connections with people and, and see where, see where they're going and encourage them. And, you know, it, you just, again, just another, another avenue to bounce ideas off of. Yeah. It's, it's not, yeah. It's not limiting us. It's expanding us. Right. Yeah. And it, and it takes, it takes, um, again, like you were saying, open-minded and reasonable person to, to realize the, the opportunities that that conversations can have for whatever, you know, learning or growing. I, yeah. Cause I think it's cool. Like seeing their personalities come out, mm -hmm. you know, cause you do, you really do put like an imprint of your personality, your perspective, your style, all of that goes into play with what you're doing, what you're, what you're putting, putting out there. Especially if it's like an hour, hour and a half, two hours. Like yeah. there's no way you can hide. Like we've talked about. There's a, it's really hard to hide. You're right. It's really hard to hide things. Really mm. hard to hide your opinions and your thoughts. And Especially after so many episodes, you know. Yeah. Which is good. I think it's good. Because I think in that, in that process, you, you know yourself more. Hopefully. So yeah, this goes out to anybody who had an idea or, you know, maybe you dreamt about this or you had a conversation with a friend. I mean, there's so much, there's just so much to talk about, right? There's so much to discuss and learn and you could have a podcast about literally anything and you'll yeah. probably generate an audience. Yeah. If you're committed to it, if, you know, you work at it, that, I think that's really cool. Yeah, and it's it's. I think the barrier to entry is really low. I mean, a laptop and right. That's basically and we. It. And were we not just talking about like the mainstream media is dying, fake news mm -hmm. is being exposed, and it's like, yeah, we have all this all this information and in, you know in our in our pockets, but what are we doing with it? Are we being productive? Are we being, you know? helpful are we edifying each other right informing each other yeah it, it, it's like the uh, when you were saying like you know all the just the destruction and, and the the lies and manipulation right with the media and it's like i it came to mind that like media is a production the same way a movie is right if you look at big media uh, movie productions you have multiple cameras you have 
you know, actors and writers and producers, producers, editors. Yeah, it's like endless, right? And then, like I mentioned earlier, with like YouTubers, right? You have maybe two or three guys, if anything, if, at most, and you can run a whole YouTube channel and and be pretty successful, you know. And it's like same thing with the podcast. You can have one, two, three, maybe three people, and it's like you can run a really successful podcast and. You know, you can like look at Tim Pool and Steven Crowder and, you know, the Blaze and all these guys that are running kind of like news outlets, right? These yeah. New media people, right? I mean, it doesn't take a lot to do, con- like to drive, uh, to produce content that's that's high value, you know, and, and you don't need it to be glamorous and have all the, you know, the bells and bells and whistles, but... I mean, I mean, if you just do it, you can get to the point where you can add in, you know, if we wanted to do extra things with the mics and all that good stuff and headphones, right? I mean, you can get there, but is it necessary to to the content, to the stories, to the, yeah, all that? No. I mean, you'll, I think you'll figure it out as you go along. Right. You know, just get, just get it started. Like, have we talked about this openly? How you and I decided we're going to record a certain amount of episodes, line them all up, and then release them mm-hmm. the way that we did. I think so. I think we, we had a backlog, have... in other words. Yeah. Yeah. We we wanted to get a good, yeah, a good chunk recorded. So we didn't feel the need to like rush through it. You know, we could take our time, we can develop it and, eventually put it out there yeah which is i think kind of like the whole idea behind like a pilot right you have a pilot and you kind of flesh out the ideas and the show of of whatever it is you know so that way when you get to that point where all right here we go we're gonna put this out there you've already kind of honed in on things and i think that's no different than when like the scientific method or the the idea behind like being obedience to being in obedience to um, God's word, right? Where you listen, you wait for the green light and then you go and you act out um, what you've heard. So I think, I think that's, I mean, that's the only way to do it. I think, I think it worked out for us. I think so. It's hard to say. I mean, we've we've definitely, um, I think we've definitely discovered a lot through this process, you know, and I think that's important to say. Oh, and we might need to bring this in for a landing. Safe travels. <laughs> Safe travels. Make sure you uh, show your COVID passport and Uh-oh. get your chip. And you, what else? Do you prefer the the German accent or the Russian accent of "Show me Z papers"? I really go with Russian. <laughs> the Russian is a good one. German's kind of overplayed. No. <laughs> Yeah. What kind of suffering do you want? Do you want <laughs> the Russian suffering or do you want the, the German? Oh, that's a good question. 
I guess Russian. I mean, uh, German. That's really painful. Yeah, it's hard to choose. So that's, that's, what an interesting way to land. Very interesting. German, German and Russian history from from the twentieth century. That's the question that uh, we would like you to answer. Would you want to suffer the German way or the Russian way? Let us know in the comments below. The German, the German way sounds a lot uh, swifter. It does, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, hey, it's good to be back, sir. It is. We're all over the place, and I love it. Let's just let's just keep let's just keep um, um, wandering around. The returns with receipts. Yes, sir. <laughs> Alrighty. We'll talk to you soon then. Good night, everybody.